know, he doesn't want to cut a pound. His body won't let him cut a pound. Well, then you better win the tournament, okay? That's BS. That's bull crap. He's got some, he's got some big balls, man. You zip your lip, you shut your mouth, and you open your ears. That's how you win. That's how you get better. Win, you live, lose, you die. Podcast listeners, welcome back to Backpoints, Season 2, Episode 3. Happy to report that, like Homeland, we are hoping to improve with every show. Brian Muir, worst character in television history? My opinion? Yes. Oh, I don't even know her name. She's that bad. Uh, Brody's daughter. Brody's daughter is just the worst. Single-handedly taking down... One of the best TV shows we, we've seen. There were like the comment section of like Vanity Fair, which is traditionally, you know, liberal and would never say mean stuff. I guess all vitriol is left for the comment section of a news of a of a of a news source. But my gosh, people were like saying things like the worst tragedy of the show is that she didn't finish the job, <laughs> like. Some pretty terrible things, which are absolutely true. She – this is – I think there's pretty good – I think we can do this. I think we can analogize this to wrestling. When you start following the stupid storylines in wrestling, you you devalue the product. And I want to talk about this in the sense of shit-talking and in the sense of Iowa style, of this like kill-or-be-killed attitude. You know, we follow this storyline. We think it's amazing that these guys sacrifice so much and they do anything to live and die. But I don't know. I don't think it, that's the most successful way anymore. I don't think that's the key to, to success. I think that what happened is it became successful. I'm just going to go for it, Brian. Launching right into a, I'm getting I'm pontificating. But you're you're cutting out a little bit. But I'm 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 hearing you so far. Go ahead. Okay. But I'm basically saying that we have a system now in place where. There is no – the only thing that matters is how hard you work and breaking your opponent and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of ridiculous. And I think at this point we have to realize that it's affecting our youth. It's affecting the way that kids view the sport. You know, How much fun can it really be if you know, at eight your dad is telling you to sort of hand fight a guy into oblivion? I just think that it's hurting the sport from – you know, this false storyline, which I think has nothing to do with Brody's daughter, but I think... <laughs> I'm, wondering, I'm wondering, wondering how we're going to wrap this back around the homeland, but I'm, I'm in it to win it. I'm thinking she... Um, okay, here we go. She took too much psychological abuse at too young an age, and I think that that's basically what we're doing with wrestling. It's, it's you know, and I think I heard Jake Herbert say this a couple days ago which is crazy that he would be the light of reason, but we need to have a system in place and just create athletes. Like when they're five, teach them how to tumble and teach them all these kind of tumbling techniques and having fun and versatility. And then when they get to 12 and 13, you start hammering in the moves and everything. You know, you don't, you don't, all we're hammering in is the psyche of wrestling at the age of seven. And that's not what seven-year-olds want to do. Right. You do get a lot of guys with more, I mean, it probably happens with every sport, but it seems like a lot with wrestling. You get guys that peak at 
13, 14, 15 years old, high school, whatever, and then you never hear from them again. Whether it's burnout or, you know, this Iowa style, whatever you're talking about here, maybe that's the case too, but you do see a lot of burnout in the sport. Um, it seems like internationally, like Russians focus more on the stuff you're talking about, ath- athletic-wise, learning how to tumble, learning how to stay in position as opposed to hammering these moves, like you said. Right. And that that hammering is good because then, oh. you know, you keep hammering and then you hammer more than the next guy and it creates – yeah, you're, you're the best guy. But look at Brent Metcalf. I mean how – he's a great wrestler and he's a – after we saw, he's a pretty cool guy. But what was he – what he was lacking, which was so apparent, was – versatility, creativity, general athleticism that these other wrestlers seem to possess. Sure. I think with wrestling too, it's each kind of to each his own as far as how they learn and how they progress. You know, the the Iowa style might not work for David Taylor, but it obviously works for Ramos. You know, it's working for, I think this stuff goes in cycles. It wasn't that long ago that Metcalf was, King of the world, and I was was winning three in a row, and yeah, but, everybody was like back. You know? But I'm not talking about it from the standpoint of American college wrestling. I'm looking at the standpoint from international wrestling, and the way that it filters back into our system is: aren't we just like this? Is and I heard Jake say this: you're taking the one percent of each level and moving them, progressing them forward. So by the time you get to the Olympic level, all you have is ten guys who've been able to make it through all of this. Whereas if you look at the Russian system, they have thousands of guys who they could implant. You know, some of these guys have to go to Sambo and have to go to MMA to find a life. But you know, there's a good portion of guys who are just replaceable. I mean, how many times, countless times, some Russian has walked in, won the Russian nationals in a year, like in an Olympic year, won an Olympic medal, and never been heard from again. Sure, but part of that, part of, the, of how many of those guys you see in Russia is due to like how they're incentivized to over there. But, well, think, but all... think about us. I mean, we incentivize as well, but we've created a system. That's why, you know, it's been since like 96, since, you know, I guess we've had, we had two Olympic gold medalists last year. But, you know, speaking frankly, nothing, don't take anything away from Jake Varner, but it was astonishing. I mean, that's like, it's incredible. But we've one percented ourselves to the point in like where we only have you know, one medalist and a one and, and it's a world champion or it's a Olympic champion. You know, we we've filtered down so much. Well, a lot of it is that we're focused so much on scholastic here. So by the time these guys get to 22, 23 years old, a lot of them don't want to keep grinding it out and doing the international style. I mean, but there's nothing wrong. I mean, the collegiate season's excellent practice for the freestyle season. I mean, there's no real big differences. I mean, there are some technical stuff, but when you're wrestling, you're wrestling. It doesn't really matter. You just change the rules of the game for a minute. But, you know, these these Russians, they're not sitting around doing nothing. I mean, they're they're wrestling year-round too. Maybe they're not wrestling week in, week out, but, you know, every two, three weeks. I mean, this week they had the Intercontinental Cup. Then they had the, the, the Mavnik Cup. So they had back-to-back Dagestan, Chechnyan Cups. Next week is – or two weeks from now is uh, NYAC and then two weeks after that is Dave Schultz and then you know that's just over here. And over there they're going to have tournaments in Turkey and they're going to have tournaments in 
Egypt and all these different – the Mustafa Ibrahim tournament. So there's plenty of stuff that these guys are going to. I, I agree that it's not the grind of the collegiate season. But maybe that's even part of it. Maybe it's, not people, our, it's not our focus. You know, I mean international – to some guys it is. Like you look at a guy like Pico and Snyder, two guys coming up that seem like they're not as interested in winning four national titles. They're They're more – internationally focused so you know maybe see the, those guys develop a little more than uh Morris Stellar, who's going to Penn State for four years maybe maybe not I don't really know but it seems like it seems like there's the, the more focus there is on Scholastic until that kind of switches we're not gonna we're not gonna be competing with the Russians or even the Iranians on a team level you know we're gonna always have our individuals that get there get gold, whatever, but as far as, like, team to team, we're not going to be competing with those guys until the focus kind of switches. But, I mean, aren't those 18 to 22 years, those are, like, developmental years, I guess. I mean, what... I just don't think it's a big loss if you're in the collegiate system. I don't see it as a big setback. Yeah, I I, I mean... That can't be the only thing. It's got to be... It's not what happens from 18 to 22. It's what's happening from 5 to 12. Maybe... Maybe that's true. And that's why Dana Brody should have finished the job. <laughs> and and here we are back at Homeland. She should have finished the job. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's ruining the show for me. Let's take it back to Homeland. I mean, the only thing is, I think we'll that... See. Maybe... I, I really hope that... that they, they, maybe they, I'm just hoping that they ground her for the next... <laughs> For the next four, for the next four episodes. Yeah, just throw her in a room. No supper before <laughs> before bed. Just throw her in a room for the next four weeks. I want to see her again. So there's a chance that when you saw her come back into her blank room, her depressingly blank canvas room, and she sat on the edge of the bed and she just cried at the misery that became her life because of her choices. I'm hoping that that is the Homeland writers talking to us through a character and saying, this is how we feel about what we put you through these first five episodes. And we apologize, and we are leaving nothing open. But then you have to remember that this boy has a naked photo of her from the first episode. So despite what seems like the end of the storyline, that naked photo will come out. Just like her dad, who had a video that came out later, she now has... You know, video, she's making the mistakes of her father. Yeah, but how much further can they take her character down? I mean, she's trying to kill herself. Number one, she's she's run away. You know, she's already been dragged through the mud. I are we supposed to draw? Are we supposed to draw parallels to everything that she's gone through to what Nicholas Brody came, went through when he came back to the states? I don't know. I don't he, know what they're doing. He with almost her. They need to, uh, he they tried need to stop he, immediately, though. Yeah, and he tried to kill himself. But he didn't do it all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. She'll play an she'll play an important role at the end of it, I think. You know, they're they're building her up. They're not focusing on the. There's another kid in the family that they don't. What's he doing all day? Is he going to a basketball practice? You know, is he? He's growing. He's like six maybe, six. Maybe check in on him every once in a while. <laughs> or I, or let's I see or let's see let's see or let's see Mike and uh and Twinkle Toes. Have sex again. That wasn't the worst thing they've ever done. That was the opening scene of the oh, show. That was the season opener. That's what got everybody in. Like, all right. 
I'm, I'm watching this thing every Sunday night. <laughs> False promises. <laughs> so, you you cut out there for. I'm a open. I'm open to her storylines run its course for the moment. Mm-hmm. Let's focus. Let's focus on Brody. I'm hoping her storyline runs has run its course for the moment. Let's focus on Brody. Focus on Saul and Carrie. See where that's going. I agree. I, I, we have we've seen Brody in a, in a total of two episodes. Right. So there's there's still a, a lot to be told about him. We need to get back there. I have a feeling at the end of the day they're not going to end up blaming the Iranians for this. I think it's too. I think it's too politically charged for us to blame Iran. But then again, I think I'm like an Iranian sympathizer at this point because I appreciate their wrestling culture so much. Like I would hate to see them be the villains of Homeland. I'm like waiting every time they cast somebody for like a thug in the show. I'm waiting for them to have cauliflower ear and for them to draw like a draw like a backstory with like one of the you know agents holding Carrie that he's like a former Olympic wrestler. I would love. What if Gadarzi shows up? That's why he wasn't wrestling this past this past uh, world. <laughs> That's where Gadarzi was. Gadarzi was filming filming Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where they go with it. I, I'm I'm more excited now than I was after episode two and three. So, well, I got here's a new question because you know we talk about season openers and seasons. Literally, our season is starting next weekend. This weekend coming up first. First matches of the year, including the All-Star Classic, what are you feeling about the year? What are you excited about? What is the thing that you're going to follow the most? The thing I, What's the storyline? Yeah, what's the storyline? The most is 174. I think 174 is, again, the storyline. As far as weights go, I mean, overall storyline, can Penn State repeat losing Quentin Wright? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Is Oklahoma going to be up there with Penn State and Iowa and Oklahoma State? That's interesting. But I think 174, again, especially with Andrew Howe coming in, that is, to me, the, the most interesting thing to follow. It's going to be week after week after week, just crazy matchups. Never never going to be any downtime with 174. So that's what I'll be into. So you're telling me... You're telling me that 174 is going to be the most entertaining, even though 125 is completely wide open? Uh, 125, I would say, I would argue it's not completely wide open. Um, okay. I think you got three guys there that, um, four, is Waters Richard? Yes. All right, so he's out. I think you got three guys at 125 that, are, are a little bit above the rest of the field there. Okay. So I don't think it's I, I don't think it is wide open. Um yeah, I think one seventy four is the weight. You add Andrew Howe in there, does he come back and just dominate everyone? Is does Perry repeat? You know, that's a fun match that we're gonna see at least twice through this throughout the year. Right. Um then you got five or six got five or six other guys that are still around from last year that that didn't go anywhere. So I think that'll be the most fun, the most fun to watch. I think year. I think heavyweight's going to be interesting. Does McMullen figure out Tony Nelson? Does Nick Gwizdowski Gwizdowski from NC State make a big push? Can he challenge Nelson? 
I think he might have beat Nelson twice at the yeah. – yeah. So can he do that in folk style? What if he beats them and now they're on the – and McMullen figures his way somehow to the number one seed. I, I can't imagine how that would happen without him having to beat Nelson. But, you know, I think Mc, – I'm trying to figure out a way that McMullen wins the national title without wrestling Nelson. Might not happen. You never know. I mean, Nelson, he is in line to be a three-time champ. I mean, is he the – is he the most unassuming three-time champ if, if he does it? He's one of the most unpublicized two-time champs there's ever been. And then you add in that third champ. He could ho-hum his way to a three-national championship. Like, no problem. Joining the club of 20 guys that have won three national titles. Modern era, you know, 20 guys. It's, it's really impressive. Really impressive. Would not, have, would not have put any amount of money on that for any amount of – any sort of odds – that you would have given me three years ago, that he would be a three-time champ. Yeah, and I'm not a high school guy, so it's hard for me to know. Like, I mean, I know the big names and stuff, but I'm not like Josh Lowe and those guys who know all the intricate details. But, yeah, I mean, he wasn't like a Marsteller who was coming out and you're like, oh, he's going to win every match he ever wrestles. Right, and he's taking some losses here or there. He just, you know, he's one of those guys that always seems to get it done when it counts. He's so he, big. He comes from the factory of heavyweights at Minnesota. So he's got, he's got guys pushing him, and he's got the history there. So we'll see. We'll see if he can if he can repeat again. Um, I kind of like McMullen maybe to crack the code this year. I do too. I do too. He's a confident guy. You know what else I like is and uh, is I like Cornell. I like Cornell how young they are. They're fifty seven pounder Real Buto, Real Buto, Real Booty. He is. Uh, Apparently a stud. Cole loves the guy. Thinks he's going to be a world beater. And I don't know. I don't see why he would lie about it. I mean, I know why he would lie about it. But I think if you add in him, Nashon Garrett. What's interesting about Cornell now is that every year, they don't have down years anymore. They're they're like in Iowa, Oklahoma State. They're always just filling guys in there that are ready to go. That's true. And we don't really talk about them in that terms. We always kind of... Talk about him in underdog terms, right? I mean, it's been what five, six years now that they're they're in the mix to win a title. They haven't. They haven't. What year did they finish? They finished second, like in two thousand and six. Yep, I think that was Dake's or no Dake's first year. They finished second, I think. Is that right? Okay. Whatever year that was, oh eight, oh nine. Um, I think that's how. That's how. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think with some distribution of talent. To Penn State, I, I mean, I think there's more parity than before. Somebody asked us in the mailbag, could a non-Big Ten, Big 12 team win it? And if there is one, I think it's got to be right now Cornell, and in five years, maybe Lehigh. Yeah, I'd agree. Cornell by, Cornell by far is the front runner to do something like that right now. But who knows? Maybe our Cavaliers. Five years. Stuff to win a national title. That's a that's a big that's a big task. You it's know, impossible. It's near impossible. If you're not coming from if you're not coming from Big Ten or Big Twelve, it's it's really tough. Well, that's what I like about Gar- Garland's broken at Virginia is the whole line moves forward. You know, everybody across the board gets better. Like they have a couple of front runners, guys who get better a little bit better than everybody else. But mm-hmm. it, you know, like it goes from like you know Henrik winning you know his first All American title as a sophomore to you know okay now we have. You know, three guys in the round of 16, and then we have 
four guys in the round of 12, and then we have, you know, two All-Americans, and then we have five guys ranked in the top. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this constant build. Progressively, as a team, they're moving forward. He's He's got that ACC title title now that eluded us for years. And, right. You know, it kind of started there, and he's, he's built on it every year. So I remember, like, you know, I felt like when guys like Harshaw Roth, myself, like when we won all American titles, it felt like we stole it. Like like we got lucky. You know, it always felt like it was one of those things we kind of backed into. And mm-hmm. with these guys, it's like, oh yeah, Souls are being all American. Where does he place? You know, like you just have that right. conf- it's a like more confidence in what they're able to do. I agree. I think the ACC in general, um, this year especially is gonna be really tough. So that's that's another interesting thing to kinda of watch out for is do they kind of take over? Do they join that upper echelon of non-Big Ten at some point? I think they do. You know, this year, next year, it looks like they're only getting better recruits, only getting stronger. The ACC? They could. Yeah, the ACC in general. How would the ACC – I think the ACC in a pick em, like if you randomly drew team versus team, ACC pick em versus the Big Ten, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Didn't they do this for a while? They did do it for a while, yeah. But I think we always wrestled Wisconsin. Yeah, we'd wrestle Wisconsin. But I think if they did it again, I think we would do okay. Well, depends where where uh, you know where you fell into the. There's kind of two tiers of the Big Ten, but well, okay. I like I like I'll take Virginia Tech versus Minnesota. Maybe maybe not this year, but I'm saying like. Okay, so maybe not Minnesota, Penn State are your are your your bullets, but after Iowa, I guess that's three teams. So a fourth of them are on a, <laughs> you can't touch, but I think you know, I think Virginia Tech, Wisconsin's a good good dual meet. Yeah, I think they do fine with Wisconsin. I think those top three you mentioned, Nebraska, I think kind of hand most ACC teams but mm-hmm. it is changing it's start, they're starting to kind of creep in there so that's that's cool to see because it's an easy who doesn't want to go wrestle in the ACC you know it's an easy place to recruit now if they've got these strong programs there you're not just going to kind of wrestle and go you to know, school you're I, again let's challenge let's challenge this for a second everybody says this all the time right they always say who wouldn't want to work who wouldn't want to go to the ACC or who wouldn't want to go to Virginia why do people want to go to these schools more than other schools why would you want to go to that school more than Michigan State? Forget forget the coaching. I'm saying like, well, maybe not Michigan State was a bad example. Why would you want to go to that school more than Missouri? Is it that much prettier? I, I mean, I think weather-wise, number one. Is that, a, is that where you're not, you're not hanging out in seven months of winter up in Minnesota. Up in, so that's kind of attractive. Up in Chicago. <laughs> Or or up in Chicago, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think if you have an established, let's say let's say one of the Big Ten teams was in Florida, and it was let's say I was just trans transferred right to Florida. It was like you could go to Florida State and have the same wrestling opportunity that you do at Iowa. How many people do you think would not want to go to Iowa and go to Florida State at that point? Many. Like. I just don't think – I think you used Florida State because it was an obvious example, but I don't think that the ACC is that much. I guess it is. I guess it's a little bit nicer, but – I mean I think you have to look at it now in terms of educational opportunities, and that really comes down to the Ivy League. 
think if if you had one choice right now, where do you go if you could if you could do it over? Cornell is obviously up there as far as like best of both worlds, right? But other than that, I think ACC is. I would still go back to. Yes, but would the ACC have Brian Muir? Oh come on, please. What about your hair? Would they be able to accept your hair? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. <laughs> uh, there's got to be some guys in the ACC with longer hair. You can't discriminate against longer hair. There's a little jealousy, a little jealousy uh, surrounding it. But oh yeah, not long hair. I'm discriminating. I'm discriminating against you out of my jealousy. Yeah, throw a hair. Ryan Stewart. Ryan Stewart had long hair. But it went up. Yours go, your his went up. Yours goes. Yours goes down. <laughs> right, because I'm not wearing a headgear. But if I threw a headgear on it, no problem. No problem. I th- I uh, I don't think that it does. I think it's too long. I think it's over the the collar. It's just at the threshold. Yeah. So I think I'd make it. I think I would make it. What's the uh, what's what's the word on the? Uh, Do you want to uh, recap Aegon at all? Yeah, sure. I mean, I wrote that article today. I really. I mean, oh, did you? I don't. I don't really read your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to mention that they that you know look they did the best job that we've seen of an independent source trying to create energy. They create energy around the event and. They had cool camera angles, a mat, good ideas. They just, I mean, it's easy to pick apart new stuff, you know? I mean, because you're you're used to norms. And and so now it's easy to come in and say, this is what they did wrong. This is why it sucked. But at the same time, like, they are doing it. I mean, they're not just full of hot air. Like, they decided to, to try and do this. They threw money behind it. And the wrestling was okay. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away. Yeah, the rules. I wasn't crazy about some of the rules, but I like some of them. I mean, the matchups that you're getting out of it are, are pretty great. There's no real cap to who you can have wrestle who, which is awesome for, for future events. Right. But yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought that Quentin Wright Asker match was a lot closer than than it was given credit for. Asker scored, I think, 12 points off of that. You got a takedown for two, you got a turn and hold for five, and then you got a turn and hold for five in the same move. That just seems like it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah, so the match was over by that point. You know, yeah. Wright's not coming back from You can't you now, can't like, wait you can't wait if that's true, the points it you can't wait Matt wrestling that much heavier than takedowns. Because then it's <clears throat> especially when you have a trap arm gut in the mix. Yeah, you know, you get the trap arm gut. You're turning the guy. You're holding him. Nine, nine out of ten times, you're going to get the hold. So you get three extra points for that. It just seemed a little much. Um, but I thought it was cool. I thought the event was cool. It was great to see Avis back, and he looked great. Yeah, can he? Can he do it? Can he make? Can he make the run? I don't think he could make the weight, but well, remember, there's there's back. new there's new weights. Oh, remind me, remind me what the weight would be. Well, I don't know. <laughs> 125 or something like that? Uh, I don't know. It's supposed to go up, though. 
So maybe like 57, 58 kilos, whatever that is. I think he weighed in at like 30, 133. So yeah, you could probably make mid to high 20s. I don't think he could make 121. That'd be a, that'd be a stretch. But yeah, he looked he looked really good. So that that was that was cool to see him back. Um, Oliver dominated and Borschel dominated. Yeah, I don't <coughs> I don't think Simpson as much as I love him. 40 years old might be a little much for a nine-minute wrestling match. Yeah, that's, that's a little much. He did hit a sweet duck under. I'll give him credit for that. But uh, he, <coughs> other than that, he, he wasn't really in the match. Um, so. But, you uh, know, I, I think, again, I think it's a great, it was a great formula. It's a, not a great formula. I think it's a good formula. It's a starting point. You know, what we, we know about wrestling from international level is that nothing is concrete rules presentation anything and Aegon can certainly learn from the lessons now to be critical and I'm trying not to be harsh but to be critical you know three points moving forward if you're going to do a pay-per-view event of a wrestling match and you're going to hype it with professionals you have to have pre-packaged promotional materials for the dead time between matches so you can't just have you and this is the other part. This is the other part about the promotional is, you you can't just have Bader and Martin talking into a camera. It's you know it's it's beyond tedious, really. And what are you accomplishing? The 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 viewer doesn't want to look at your face. They want to see like a prepackaged pretty thing. They want to they want to know what they're supposed to be watching in the next frame. You know, a whole thing about Quentin Wright and how it's lanky. I don't know, like some prepackaged thing of highlights from the NCAA. Yeah, I hear you. I think they did a lot of that stuff beforehand. And That's different. That's promotional. We need package in the in the thing. Like when you watch UFC, like as they're talking about, they don't show Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg, but at the beginning, at the end of the broadcast. They do a little bit of that no. in the middle, though. Like no. you'll, you'll have some downtime with Goldberg and, and Rogan. No, they'll never show their face as they're sitting. I don't think that's right. I nope. think they'll they'll kind of get they'll stand up. No, they'll, they'll they'll come into the ring and do an announcement. Rogan will do an interview, but they'll never show Goldberg and Rogan sitting down talking. They don't. No, so, like, they don't do it. Standing up because we commented the other day. We commented the other day on how they both wear the same exact outfit. Every yeah, time. they do it in the intro and the outro. And if it's a pay per view event, they bring in Dana White to sell you on the pay per view from the free show. Yeah, so maybe a little organization in between. I think there's going to be some downtime between matches. Yeah, I'm saying that's where, you, that's where if you're paying money for an event, that's where you have prepackaged material. So that's one of the big things that you know they just need better announcers. I mean, you know, Bader and those guys are inter- you know it's just not you're not going to get you're not going to widen your base if if you're only they've always dealt with just high schoolers, you know, and sort of middle school. That's like their area and so that's why they're very broy broish but if you want to capture like a real audience and you want to get attention from bigger media sources then you're going to have to have a more professional uh broadcasting team sure and i I feel like they sold this they sold this to the wrestling community i don't know how much to the general public they tried to get it to well see that was a problem they didn't actually they didn't send out any press releases either mm-hmm. so basically so they probably know you know they probably know it's the, it's the same flow audience that's watching most well of i know but i mean then but then afterwards you know on twitter 
they're asking why nobody wrote about them. And that's when I said, you know, people just don't know that things exist. They need to have bigger promotions than just on the website in which it's airing. Yeah, so maybe, you know, it's like anything. The UFC 1 wasn't, it wasn't the UFC we see today, so they iron out some bugs. I think it's a good UFC thing. UFC 1 happened in 1993. UFC well, 20, whatever, whatever UFC. But whatever, I'm saying is we live in a totally different media age. And these are lessons that have already been learned by other people. Real, real pro wrestling, all these other people. Everyone's throwing good money at this problem. You know, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying I expected it to be perfect. I'm And I'm saying these criticisms might be harsh but they're true you know there's no there's no scoreboard um or time clock on the camera so you don't know yeah i'm surprised they didn't have a scoreboard because they usually have they usually do have scores on most of their their live stuff yeah so that was that was not good and then obviously starting an hour late was pretty Uh miserable so hopefully the next one will be and will We'll have a better production value. I think that's important. I don't think there's any problem with the matchmaking. I think that these guys will talk shit. They'll do the things that they, that they need to do. Um, and Ben Askren seems to be somebody who's going to put together good he's, cards. He's not scared to call everybody out. No, but he's also the matchmaker. So he's the one who's putting together all the other mat- matchups. Their purses were, I think, probably not sustainable. Uh, I mean, they're paying... Essentially, yeah, six grand to winners. I don't know how you make that money back. I mean, again, you know, and, and their their gate, they don't really have a gate, so they're doing this pretty much on a on a on a bicycle at this point. They're not a stationary bike because they're they're taking money from the people who come to their tournaments, right? The freak show, they paid like an extra ten bucks, and that helped fund everything. And yeah. they'll do the same thing at the Matt Mayhem. Um, in in Michigan, but you know, what's your gate? Are you gonna? How much are tickets? You know, how much is Flow paying you to do this? Are they paying you to do this? I don't know if it's a sustainable business model. I hope it is. It might not be, but if it catches wind, you know, maybe Askren and Dig, you get instead of however but two thousand viewers. Now you have five thousand viewers for the next. But how month, does? Then- but okay, so Dig Dig wants, you know. Whatever, Dake's fan base, or let's say Dake's wider fan base, people like who like wrestling because they like mixed martial arts kind of guys and have heard about Dake and they want to watch this match. Yep. They want You're going to make them sign up for a $158 year-long pass to flow? Yeah, right. They're going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to do like a one-time, you know, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever it is, one time to watch – Aegon 3, or one time to watch All-Star match. Yeah, the broadcasting format has to be improved. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. And that's I keep saying this, but there's totally a huge void in the market for Flo's competitor. You know, somebody who's willing to come in and say, hey, we'll do this on an event-by-event basis, and, you know, whatever. But that hasn't happened. Well, maybe they move to that. As, as it goes on, maybe they move to that. You know, pick up somebody else to, to kind of run it for them. No, they've done that. Somebody else does run it. I'm saying somebody else to come in and challenge them. The Brian Muir production crew. Right, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they pick up somebody. Maybe they move it from flow to something else. You know, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you don't. Um, I'm glad we hashed it out. I'm glad we hashed it out. Maybe, maybe it's time for you to get in the game. 
Seems like I got, you got all the ideas. I got. I'm the guy. That's what I am. I'm an idea you're guy. The guy. You're the guy behind the guy. I'm the guy behind the guy. I'm the guy behind the guy that you never see who's behind the guy. I do things, Brian, all the time. I, I mean, I'm, regardless. Regardless. What did you think about uh, Ashton calling out Dake? I mean, I was just for it was just for media attention. But again, like no press release, no media, a little bit of Twitter buzz, but. You know, you're not going to get any any good traction. Is it, is it just for media attention, though? I mean, maybe he's a little, maybe he's a little ticked off that everyone's calling Dake the greatest of all time. Maybe he wants a little shot at the title. In in an adapted style that doesn't really. I don't know. Yeah, still takedowns, still turns, still wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. I told you the way to do it is either do a really big, you know, million dollar cash prize takedown only. Six continents, you know, just huge, you know, continental tournaments, and then one big international 16 man takedown only tournament in New York City. Yep. I think that's a way to make a ton of money. Or I think you do, if you're just one guy who wants to put on an event, I think you everybody meets up in Chicago in the summer. We put up a couple beer stands and uh, have everybody dress as goofy as they want. Have intro music. Have a great time with it. Takedown only. It's the way to do it. People will come out. Have people have teams at three, and they could like be teams versus teams. You know, weight classes like no one will cut. You know, but have like 75, 85, and one. You know, seventy five, eighty five, and one hundred five weight classes, and these guys come out and wrestle each other. Whatever it is, but that's the way you have to make wrestling fun for the masses. That's not a bad idea. I think you can get that going this summer. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of work, though. You'd still have the production. I mean, you'd still face the same problems that that these guys are facing, though. Not if you don't want to televise that. So you're charging how much to get in the door? Well, you have participants. You have, like... So how much? How well, much you know, you? take it. A ticket to to watch the wrestling and drink beer and eat food. What I don't. The food obviously and beer would be independent costs. I don't know how they scale that, but ten twenty bucks a ticket for a full day, not bad. All right, I'll be there. <laughs> and then if you want to compete, your team wants to compete, like two hundred fifty bucks for competition. You can win, and if your team wins, you win. You know, five grand. Make it happen. Run with it, Timmy. Run with it. I was kind of hoping you would. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to, but I'll put it on the back burner for now. Maybe something for the summer. What's the... Um... You know who would make that happen is Jim Harshaw. He's he's the guy that would make it happen. Jim Harshaw is a dinosaur. No. You watch your mouth. I hope he's listening. He told me he listens every every uh, every week. So. Every chance to Let's do it. Uh, I know what you're about to say. Yeah, Let's do it. Jump into the All Star. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's, let's do it. Um, let's see. So Ed Ruth is out, from what I understand. Yeah, Jake Schwartz is in. Jake Schwartz is in. May the Schwartz be with you. Ooh, Star Wars joke. I like. Um, so we already did the uh, Garrett. That was, a sp- that was a Spaceballs joke. Isn't that what he says? It was Spaceballs, you're right. Doesn't he say, Let the sh- may the Schwartz be with you? That's true. 
Falcons here. Good job. Thanks. So we got Patterson, National Garrett, National Garrett minus two and a half. Right, we already we already went through that one last week. Yeah, two weeks. So we'll go through, we'll set the lines, and then we'll see if we want to make any bets. So I would take you like Nation Garrett, right? Yeah. I would take Patterson plus two and a half. <sighs> I don't like that half. It's a big half. You did two. If you move the line to two, I would take it. Well, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Alright. We'll, we'll we'll let that marinate for a little bit. Okay. Um 133, you got AJ Shop and Mason Beckman. Okay. AJ Shop is I believe the is he third? <clears throat> yeah, Shop from Edinburgh. He is fourth. He's ranked fourth and and Beckman's come and ranked 10th. Beckman, Beckman had a huge redshirt year. He, he may have put more matches. I was looking back at his matches last year. He's got something like 40 matches last year. I think when I redshirted, I maybe wrestled four. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be why I never All-American. I don't know. But um, he had a monster redshirt year last year. He's got wins over all these studs that are coming in. Gulabani beat two or three times. He beat Mark Gray. I think he split with him 2-1 to one or something like that. AJ Shop, uh, returning All-American, placed fourth last year. He's going to be your favorite, and I'm going to put him. I've got AJ Shop at minus two to Beckman. Shop from Edinburgh, Beckman, Lehigh, AJ Shop minus two. Give me Beckman. You want Beckman? I'll take Shop on that, actually. Yeah, I kind of figured. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna beat him with a, a little bit of mat wrestling. He's got a, an edge on that. It, it'll be close though. Beckman's a stud for sure. Okay. All right. Um, we already did forty-one. Devin Carter, Tony Ramos. I set it at Carter minus one and a half, just with his size difference, and um, he does have a win over Ramos in the past. Ramos did beat him twice after Carter beat him, but. Again, he had a big redshirt year. I think he comes in fresh. He comes in big. He's got somewhat of a home crowd in, in uh, Virginia. Whether or not that matters, who knows. Um, I'm going to leave it at one and a half. It's probably closer to one. But there it is. One and a half. Devin Carter. Who you like? I actually like Devin Carter. Minus one and a half. Okay, I'll take the other side. Not thrilled about it, but I'll take the other side. All right, you you want to write these down? Or you want me to write them? Down? I figured. Describe. I, I heard. I heard your. I heard your pen clicking in the back. Yeah, I know it's not working. So rather okay. than me try to try to scribble it in there, I'll just I'll just have you do it. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm not doing it. <sighs> Do we save it for the end? Kendrick Maple, Logan Sabert. No, just go. Just go through. All right. Kendrick Maple, both these guys, not a whole lot needs to be said about them. Returning national champs, undefeated, the whole thing. Uh, not a whole lot of matches where they were tested last year, either of them. They had a few. Obviously, Steber with Ramos. 
And Maple had, I think, actually, Surtis gave him a tough match at Midlands. 5-2. Uh, yeah, so it's within within range. Yeah. Uh, here's a question for you. Hopefully you know it. Does Do these guys weigh in? Does Logan Steber have to weigh in at 141? Or does he have to weigh in like close to 141 due to, due to the weigh-in rules? No, because he's got enough time to get down probably. It's an unofficial match too, so it doesn't, doesn't. That's that's what I wasn't sure of. If if it's official, I know it's not official on the record, but it, as far as like college competition weigh-ins and stuff. Yeah, sure I don't think it. I don't think it matters. So that that affects things a little bit. Like if he's got a weigh-in at one forty-one and Bull gets weigh-in at forty-nine, that's obviously that's obviously. No, I think I think he'll come in at forty-nine. Okay, so God. Realistically, this is probably a pick'em, but that's kind of boring. I'm gonna say Logan Steber is minus a point. Okay. Okay. Maple. Okay. Maple. I think we come away from this match, regardless of who wins. We come away saying, "I know that guy's really good. I didn't know he was that good." I think one of them <laughs> kind of runs away with it. <laughs> I'll take Steber. Yeah. Oof. I'll take Maple plus one. Okay. It's kind of a similar match. Maple's kind of similar style and speed and whatnot to Jordan Oliver. Um, Steber did beat, at the time, the guy ranked number one in the world over the summer. Yeah. Which is, I don't know what you know about number one rankings in the world, but that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Um, So, I can't blame you for taking Steber. I'll take Maple... I think he's – we don't – I mean, surprisingly, we don't know a whole lot about Maple, if that makes sense at all. Even though he's an undefeated national champ, he's he wasn't really tested last year. So we don't know, like, if he's got a second, third, fourth gear that he – when he needs to kick it in, is it there? I think it is. So yeah. I'm going to take Maple. I agree. All right. Um, moving on, Derek St. John and Nestor Tafour, senior – um, not much needs to be said. Returning national champ, Tafur is 14th ranked. Um, he uh, he went two and two at nationals last year. St. John won the tournament. St. John minus six and a half. I don't think he gets the major. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it at six and a half. I will take DSJ for the major. For the major, okay. Yep. I'll take Tafur. Uh, 165 what do you want to do 10 bucks a pop on these yeah these are all 10 okay 165 Dave Taylor and Michael Moreno now I think everybody kind of wishes that that they were able to get Taylor and Howe together because otherwise they're probably not going to see each other but didn't happen um so we got the Magic Man and Michael Moreno. Moreno is no slouch. He, he lost early last year at Nationals and then came all the way back to play sixth, I believe, fifth or sixth. Um, he pinned, pinned, tech fall in some of his matches on the way back. So he's pretty good. He's no David Taylor. I'm going to say that David Taylor is minus 15 and a half points. 
15 and a half. I'll take Moreno. You're taking Moreno? Oh, my God. I'll take Taylor all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Taylor I think Taylor gets a pin here. Okay. We'll, I mean, Moreno is tough. But I, I think there's only one, two guys that are going to be able to hold Taylor uh, to to 19 or, or pinned all year. Okay. And he's not Michael Moreno. Um, Andrew, Andy Howe. Rock and the Oklahoma Sooner singlet versus Matt Brown, your boy from Penn State. Yeah. Um, Andrew Howe. God. I mean, Matt Brown is so solid, and they're they're actually very similar. The over/under on head snaps in this match is <laughs> three hundred in that range. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're just gonna be head, head snap, head snap, head snap. They're not gonna stop. Right. Um. How is not how's not a not a big score spring guy. No, he, he wins a lot of matches like two one three two. Yeah, he wins on you know running time and and escape. Although he did wrestle his first match back in competition from the U.S. Open or the I'm sorry the team trials a couple years ago was freestyle this year. His first big match was against uh, Storley from Minnesota. Okay. Even though it was freestyle, he took him down. I think he took him down like eight times in three matches or something like that. So, Storley was, for a while there, Storley was kind of running the weight. He's got some, he split some matches with uh, Matt Brown, but Matt Brown kind of got him late last year. Uh, God. I think it's going to be fairly close. I don't think it's going to be in, I think what we saw over the summer is that 165 last year was Taylor and Dake were head and shoulders above all the guys at 174. Okay. How is right there with Dake and Taylor? You know, we saw that from their freestyle matches. I think that he wins comfortably, and I think I'm going to set him at two and a half, minus two and a half. I think he wants to come back and make a statement that he's back. It's his weight, and I think he, he wins comfortably. By two or three points. I will take Matt Brown. Obviously. The Storm Mormon. Storm and Mormon. Matt Brown. He won right. he's the oh. he won the nationally most fit college student award. That's an award? They have that award. The nationally most fit college student. It's like presidential award or something. He had like I don't know, whatever. The guy is Superman. I trust in him. I trust in Kale. I'm sure that is a real award, and you didn't make it up just now. But I'm not. I'm not gonna let it sway me from taking Hal. Okay. So I'll take Hal. It's two and a half. Okay. Uh, Shep Talk and Schwartz. Schwartz. Okay. What do you know about Schwartz? Talk to me. Not a lot. Can you tell me where he's ranked? I think he's ranked sixth. Off the top of my head. Okay. He's ranked fifth. Fifth. I'm just looking back now. Okay. Too close. Uh, Sheptok, third rank. Schwartz is fifth. Um, he had a win over Fauzi last year, right? I believe he's a guy that beat Fauzi. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
Shep Talk was very impressive last year. He had he had some close matches. One of the few guys that was able to keep Ruth um, to a regular decision throughout the year. He had two like matches where it wasn't really in jeopardy. Ruth wasn't going to lose, but right. he kept it. He kept it on this planet. So um, I'm a little skewed to Shep Talk here. He is ranked higher. I'm going to say Shep Talk's minus two points. I'll take Shep Talk. Okay. I'll take Boise State Schwartz. Um, Sheptak is uh, another guy that's kind of could be in some uh, some home home crowd territory. Mm-hmm. Right down right down the street. So uh, Taylor Meeks and Scott Schiller. Uh, I am Scott Schiller is not my pick to win nationals, but I think he gets close. Okay, I'm gonna take uh. I'm gonna take Macintosh to win nationals. Taylor Meeks is actually number one ranked right now. Okay. Um, coming back from big NCAA tournament last year, gave gave uh, Kilgore a nice scare in the semis. Uh, didn't quite get it done, but he did. He did really come together at the end of the year there. Okay. He finished. Uh, he finished fourth last year. He got dismantled in the third and fourth place match by uh, Welps. And he did beat Schiller at the NCAA tournament, eleven to three. I don't know. Crazy stuff happens at nationals. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna set that as the norm when they wrestle. Okay. I'm gonna say that either way, it's about a two point match. I will set Meeks as the favorite because he's got some wins in the past, and I'm gonna say he's minus two. I will take Meeks. We'll take Meeks. All right. I like Schiller there, so I'll take Schiller. Okay. And finally, we kind of went over it a little bit, but we got McMullen and Nelson. Uh, McMullen going for, I'm sorry, Nelson going for his third title this year. Uh huh. Somewhat shockingly. Um, Nelson won 6 2 in the national final last year. I think that was the second most points scored in a heavyweight match of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so the over under. We'll set the over under just for heavyweight at, at five points, okay. um, and I don't I don't know these actually these guys can score. Um, I'm gonna say that Nelson, even though he won six two, I'm gonna say he's minus a point and a half. I'll take McMullen. Yeah, I like McMullen too. I like I like your side. Yeah, I do too. That's why I took it. I'll take Nelson for. Just to get a little action on it, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tough on top. You could get a running time point. So let's run back through twenty-five. I got Garrett at plus two and a half. Check thirty-three. Remind me thirty-three. I've got shot. You've got shot. I'm sorry. I got shot minus two against. What is it? Mason Beckman. Ah, Beckman. That's right. Beckman plus two on my side. Um, Carter's one and a half. Carter minus one and a half. I got Carter. You have Carter. I got Carter, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Hey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then Steber, one and a half. No, Steber is minus one. Mm-hmm. And I've got Maple. Okay. DSJ is seven and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. I have, I have him. Yep. 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Taylor is 14 and a half. 15 and a half. Wait, 15 and a half? That's not a real number. That's a real number. You can make it 15 flat. I'm not going to give you a half point. Well, <laughs> 15 and a half is a real number because it's he can win by 19. I don't care. It's it's not. You can go 15 or you can go 14 and a half, but you can't go 15 and a half. That makes no sense. Why? I just disallowed it. You can't. I just did. Well, the line is 15 and a half. You can either bet it or you can choose to ignore it. I'll take Taylor because he could get the fall. Brown plus two and a half. Brown is plus two and a half. You got Brown. Yep. Shep talking. Hey, hold on a second. You had Moreno, by the way. I'll give you Moreno plus fifteen. All right. No, I had David Taylor. No, because I said Taylor's gonna Taylor's gonna get the fall. That's why I took him. I thought I had Moreno. I thought I had Taylor, but I'll take Moreno. That's fine. Alright. I'll take the half point then. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'll take it. Language. Um, the language. The language. Uh, so you got Matt Brown plus two and a half. Yes. Right? Shep talk minus two. You got Shep talk minus two. I got Meeks minus two. You got Meeks minus two. And I got McMullen minus one and a half. Or plus one and a half. Yes, McMullen plus one and a half. Sweet. Man, which which Matt, I mean, obviously. They're going to end it, I nice. think, with Steber and, uh, I think they're ending it with Steber and Kendrick Maple. Yeah, that's so in right now. You always end with the biggest match. That's what you do now. I mean, it's smart, right? They set, they set the precedent last year at NCAAs. That was so pretty sweet. So we'll stick with it. Of all we know about the NCAA, for them to have made that move was pretty sweet. Yeah, no, that was cool. Right. Oh man, that it still burns thinking back to that that match. I got so destroyed last year at NCAA's, but it's a new year. We're gonna get it back. They, he made some great lines last year online too. I think this year we just have to make sure everything's in place well before. Yeah. So that's all I got for you. Maybe hey man, we'll, uh, great times. Good times. We will uh, reconvene next week. We'll have a, much more to talk about now that the season's underway and we can start following some storylines and some developing issues in the sport. But for now, this is where we're at. So good stuff, man. Thanks a lot. Perfect. Yep. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Bye.